Welcome to a bonus Patreon episode. Where we take a look at another Hanna-Barbera mystery-solving franchise in the format of Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts exclusively for our patrons. I'm your host, Billy. And I'm your host, Amelia. And we're watching Captain Caveman, The Mystery of the Meandering Mummy. Captain Caveman! Set free by the Teen Angels from his prehistoric block of glacier ice comes the world's first superhero... Captain Caveman! Now the constant companion to the teenagers, Brenda, Dee Dee, and Taffy, in their hilarious and sometimes scary mystery missions. Get ready for Captain Caveman and the Teenagers! Not enough episodes hype up the meandering aspect of a Hanna-Barbera episode. Yeah, doesn't that just get you so hyped yeah. for a quick, fast-paced mystery <laughs> where your main villain meanders? It's like, we're just gonna wander about from thing to thing, not necessarily with a clear direction, but boy, it'll kill some time. That's the Hanna-Barbera promise. But really, I, I'm happy to be back with Captain Caveman, quite honestly. Well, when it's only 11 minutes long, yeah. And just for the time, like, we have gone through a few other Hanna-Barbera series now, uh, flicking through these bonus Patreon episodes, and Captain Caveman feels so true to the classic spirit of how we began this journey with Scooby-Doo, which is amazing to me considering how late it actually is. Because uh, this this episode, The Mystery of the Meandering Mummy, is Season 3, Episode 14 of Captain Caveman. It aired June 7th, 1980, putting it right between The Ransom of Scooby Chief and A Close Encounter with a Strange Kind from the first and second series of Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo. And honestly, like, this feels like a Scooby-Doo Where Are You episode. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Oh, okay. Where are you pulling this feeling from? Well, I mean, honestly... The fucking mummy that wanted the coin that Shaggy took from the museum wasn't meandering. It set a pace, and it was a good pace. It did. Well, I mean, I made the joke about it meandering. I don't think there is a whole lot of meandering in this episode. The the Scooby-Doo parallel I see... At first glance, we're going to a mansion. It's a relative of one of the main characters. This is definitive Scooby-Doo territory. And just visually, like, there's, it just, it rings so true to a classic feeling. Uh, This is like getting into a warm bath for me. It's, it's familiar. It's something I know. But they didn't go see any relatives in Where Are You? That didn't start until later series. I thought there were some uncles and shit, and where are you? When they had a million relatives spread across (laughs) the face of the earth that they can just visit at any time. Okay, well, maybe I'm totally wrong, but it it felt good. (laughs) It felt good to me. And where are you? They're just like, they're just dicking around. They're just like, here here is a southern general that uh, Scooby-Doo saved one time. (laughs) It was drowning in a pond here. Uh, We went to Hawaii. That's an attainable vacation for children in the 70s. Teenagers. Fucking boomers. (laughs) 
Iroh, what did you think of this episode at first glance? I don't have an at first glance. Oh, all right then. Well, then I nothing struck me. <laughs> just, just that we're watching Captain Caveman again. Yeah. Uh, were, were you happy, Elise? Did you have, did you have some expectations in mind? Uh, what with the title? I think we were both pretty happy when this one won the poll. Uh, I was just happy when Speed Buggy or the Funky Phantom didn't win the poll. Right. I would have taken a Jabberjaw happily. This only eleven minutes. Fine. I can do that. <laughs> hey, Amelia, give me the premise for this episode. When a mummy comes to life and steals an ancient Egyptian ruby from Brenda's uncle Jonathan, Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels investigate. And that's mostly accurate. Like, they do investigate once the ruby is stolen. It's not their reason for being there, but it's definitely an accurate depiction of what happens. Yep. So, all right, so... I don't, I don't understand why you always want to take a second and, and criti critically analysis the fucking premise. I'm just, just looking at what, <laughs> it, like, we, we tell the audience what happens with, with that premise, and then we can huh? be like, hey, sometimes it's not totally accurate. That's correct, yes. Right. Um, who do you want to start with? We don't make a habit of, of stopping to say when it is accurate, though. Well, that's because it's, it's so, it so rarely happens. <laughs> All right, the cavey conundrum. Was the tiny bird that lives in his club featured in the last episode? No. I don't recall it coming out of the club. I feel like this is a new feature with Captain Caveman. He, he has a bird with a club inside of his club, and the club that the bird holds has a bird with a club inside of it. Yeah. It's a, it's a little Russian doll scenario. And it, it feels like a fix-all, because these... Birds that live in the clubs can do anything for Cavey. Well, he also has a dinosaur in the club that he calls Jaws. So somewhere along the way, his club has become, like, imbued with different familiars that, that he can bring forth from the prehistoric age. This is unnecessarily convoluted. He's just a big hairy dummy got frozen in yeah. some ice. With superpowers. The world's first... I can believe yeah, he has superpowers. The, cl the club... Why, e why do you want to believe he has superpowers? Because, why is that your well, crutch? <laughs> because they, they call him that. They call him the world's first superhero. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But <laughs> it's, it's still a step. And then, but then you add in this extra feature of animals within the club. KV does demonstrate uh, many classic caveman qualities in this episode. For instance, upon seeing the ruby for the first time, he tries to eat it. And I... Yes, I, we all know our Neanderthal I don't believe a real caveman would do that. But I feel like a cartoon caveman eating rocks is, is a gag <laughs> that is on par with what I would expect. Cat and Caveman, I'm gonna not uh, call him KV, because that feels too familiar. R oh, I'm glad right. that you feel very familiar with Captain Caveman, in which to just start calling well, him KV. I consider myself a teen angel. Okay, you're a 32-year-old man, should not be hanging out with teen girls. I, no, I didn't say I hang out with them. I'm, I am just a teen angel. At heart. Okay. Captain Caveman is told to follow a dude, and he yells his intention to do so. So maybe yeah. don't send him to do the sneaky, sneaky stuff. I think that was where I wrote down that stealth is not his strong suit. But then again, maybe it is, 
because he pretends to be an umbrella successfully. Oh, his body hair flips up like an umbrella and yeah. then closes again. How does he have control over that? Well, now that we, we look at it and we mention it, this might not all be body hair. This might just be head hair that shags and like cascades down throughout his entire body. Are you looking for the umbrella shot right now? Yeah. All right, let's, let's see where the origin point for this hair is. I think it is the top of his head, but then, like, it's just gross. Do we then see... Okay, he's wearing shorts. I was going to say, do we then see his naked body yeah, under the... his genitalia just out and proud. But no, he's got these Erect little... for some reason. He's very turned on about pretending to be an umbrella. Matching... <laughs> that did not occur. Matching <laughs> his little... uh. Orange and, and black striped cape, he ha also has some little boxer shorts with the same design. Very. Does Fred Flintstone wear the same pattern? It's been a while since I've seen Fred Flintstone. What does he wear? He wears orange, and I, I believe it's got black spots with a tie. But there's no collar on his, his loincloth yeah, thing. <laughs> he, for, uh, Fred's. Fred's spots are more triangular. He's definitely got uh, uh, more angles to him, which which works because his body type is quite round. He's, let's face it, a little overweight. Not not the cave. Well, you know what? When we saw Caveman's body, he was he was trim. This is this has been the health report for Hanna Barbera men. Can we move on to one of the girls now? We can. I just want to mention at the end of this episode, uh, Cavey says that me wrap up case of funny mummy, and I think you're wrong. Because it's a meandering mummy. But I understand a few too many syllables. But yes, uh, let's move on to the DD drama. Sure. Uh, DD is the black one with the nice red turtleneck. She's got a short jean skirt. She's seems to be the one with the most sense out of all of them. Yeah, I we wrote her down. We established that last time. I wrote her down. Clearly the voice of reason in all scenarios. Why does she crawl into bed in the turtleneck instead of getting comfortable? They're all sleeping in their clothing and their shoes because Hanna-Barbera wasn't going to animate yeah. them taking their shoes off. That's exactly the reason. It's because they didn't want, like... The then don't have them crawling into bed. Have them doing some other activity. The Scooby gang? Like, I love a fashion report. I love a costume variant. I don't think the Teen Angels got a costume variant. This is sh this is telling me like that. Fuck them, they can wear these clothes to bed. But you're right; it wouldn't have been so hard to have them like staying up another hour, maybe chilling on the couch, watching some TV or reading a book. But instead, brushing their hair before bed. But instead, all of them wear high heels, and they're all crawling into bed with them. Bras are still on, turtlenecks. The blonde one still has her collar popped up, like. This is no way to get a good night's sleep. They've all still got the full face of makeup. That's not good. It's tattooed on. That's not good. <laughs> Styles change. You're not for tattooing eyebrows on? No, and it not not the mix of, like, eyebrows, eyeshadow, lipstick. That's, that's a commitment. Well, they're not wearing eyeshadow. It's very difficult to tell with the Hanna-Barbera style. Um, Dee Dee is very pragmatic. She's the one who finds the note with the hieroglyphics. Uh, she tries for false tops and secret buttons in the Egyptian room. 
uh, and she's the one who examines the mummy's wrapping and realizes it's nylon, leaving the other girls to do no mystery solving whatsoever. The blonde one builds a trap. That's true. The other one is the shaggy analog, so she's not going to do anything. I guess we are down to three girls, rather than four characters. Don't say down to three. Like, at the end of season one, the fourth teen angel tragically died. (laughs) Well, no, here's what I think happened. Shot by one of the other teen angels for betraying them. I think mm, if what you, you say <laughs> mm, what you holly men when mm, you gotta only meant well. Can you learn any no, song it's lyrics? Oh what you holly men when. Are you telling me that the words are you meant well? You mm, what you say that you only meant well. Oh my god. Yeah, of course you did. No, I always thought it was mm, what you say, oh what you holly men when. What does that mean? I don't know. It's just Tell the words of a song. That you only meant well. Yeah, of course you did. And then repeat the mm, what you say part. So where do the holly men come in? They don't, honey. Oh, that doesn't make for a fun Christmas. The other day when I told you to learn the lyrics to like one song, <laughs> I, I meant it. I keep thinking I, I need to look up these lyrics now. Now, now, next thing you'll tell me is that they're not going downtown in a zigum around. No, Fallout Boy is going downtown <laughs> in an earlier round. No, it's a it's a crazy bicycle with horns and twists. A Susian nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> the Brenda bind. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot that her voice is as stroke-inducing <laughs> as Bubbles' voice from Jabberjaw is. I didn't. <laughs> Think it could get any worse than Puffles? I forgot about Brenda. You paused the episode (laughs) to take a moment after she spoke. There's always got to be one. And in this case, there's two, because the blonde one's voice is pretty awful as well. But we're talking about Brenda. Yes. uh, Of note, Uncle Jonathan is her uncle. She is the tie that binds us to this premise. Yes. Wonderful. She is the scared one. Yeah, very scared of the curse. She needs to be kidnapped and taken to the crime scene to investigate it. Otherwise, she would have just cowered in bed. And it seems like, just let her. Yeah, because, like, once she gets going investigating this mystery, Mummy pops out and she faints. Stiff as a board. Two times she is picked up and she should be in a position other than her standard standing position. But Hanna-Barbera keep just... Keeps her totally stiff and upright, almost as if her standing model was just tilted (laughs) at 45 degree angles. I would 100% believe that. That's exactly what happens. No one faints and then is totally stiff. No one's kidnapped by a mummy and just like planks in its arms. Oh my god, and how much do you love that like, okay, the mummy steals her, Cavey grabs her legs to pull her back, and first of all, there is a body horror moment where I feel like her legs stretch for six feet further than they should. But then she rubber bands back, and we get her full body in the shot. Cavey is holding her legs, and she decides to just cheerfully hold herself up with one arm. Yeah, she's... Her core strength is keeping her up with some balance on one arm. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It's dumb. It's hilarious, but it's really dumb. And then there's the Taffy Tails. Zowie! Taffy is our blonde. 
She needs a lozenge or something. Her voice is so scratchy. I think it's from yelling Zowie so much. It's, it really gets you at the back of the throat. Some nice uh, lemon ginger tea, perhaps. You know what? I bet you would love a lemon ginger tea. She, look, she looks to me like someone who would love a lemon ginger tea. Um, she has the great idea to lure the mummy into their trap. Uh, they describe it as another daffy taffy plan. and uh, The plan is solid. Yeah. Lure the mummy out with a fake gem and then chase it down. Now, here's a question. Is it a fake gem? Or is it just a cool, gaudy gem that she pulls out? I thought it was like a piece of trash that kind of looked like a gem that they found. That, that would make sense. I just didn't write it down explicitly. I would like if, if Taffy was just like, oh yeah, I have an emerald. <laughs> emerald wear, the size of a baby's yeah, face. I'll just wear my emerald brooch. That'll lure the mummy out. I mean, it would, it would make sense if they were fucking rich, why they travel the country. It would, I, it would make everything easier. Yeah, well. But yeah, she wears it to dinner to taunt whoever is the mummy and, and lure them out to steal that emerald. And like, they call it at a daffy taffy plan, but it works. The part of the plan that involves KV dressing up as her, don't quite understand. Why wasn't KV just like, Behind, in the room. Yeah, behind the door, waiting to hit the mummy on his way out? Yeah. No idea. Just had to get this man in a wig. That's A it. wig that's perfectly styled to Taffy's uh, Farrah Fawcett flip and color that she just has on her at all times. Yeah. Yeah, a wig. I mean, hey, maybe that is a wig. Maybe she, maybe she just happens to be a wig wearer, and she has multiple copies of that wig. The minor mentions of this episode, there are three, three dudes hanging out at this mansion. <laughs> Sorry, I'm giggling at just the hanging out thought. I want <laughs> the spinoff of these three dudes hanging out at this mansion and the wacky things that they get up to. Well, uh, the three dudes include Uncle Jonathan, a man named Brackish, and Morgan the butler. Specifically, Morgan, the new butler. The, the wacky and crazy things that Morgan, the new butler, gets up to includes checking the furnace in the night. <laughs> He's the butler! So that's He's a checking full, on the premises! That's a full spin-off episode right there, <laughs> Billy. I'd like to believe that like, the, the furnace is making some weird sounds, and he's like, I'll have to deal with that in the morning. Goes and checks on it before anything goes wrong. Is Morgan our beloved Frank Welker? I don't know, but it would stand to reason. I'm I'm on uh, Captain Cavemanpedia right now, and it says insert details here. Oh, good old insert details. He's my favorite voice actor. He, he does so many. Oh, I don't actually know if that's what this website. It's, it's CaptainCaveman.fandom.com. Uh, just the I think it's just called the Captain Caveman Wiki. Doesn't appear to have a whole lot of information. It's almost as if no one cares. <laughs> Very similar to that. Morgan is suspicious, though. Morgan's whole thing is just being suspicious throughout this episode. And but butlers ain't going to get work if they're suspicious. You call a butler's references. This is a man you're entrusting your life with. Right, so the girls should have been like, hey, he's a butler. He's already vetted. Yeah. Brackish is here setting up the 
Egyptian museum that uh, <laughs> Uncle Jonathan just decides to have in his home. You rich fuckers in the 70s. Uh, this guy's got eyebrows. Eyebrows for miles. And he is such a classic Hanna-Barbera design. This old man, like, if you told me, if you told me that this was the exact same character model from, like, the Elias Kingston episode of Scooby-Doo, I would believe you. It's been a while since I've seen that, but it feels like he's just some old man model. I think he's definitely been reused from a Scooby-Doo. Yeah, he's got those mean eyes. And then there's Uncle Jonathan, who wears a red silk smoking jacket 100% of the time. <laughs> Because 70s. And I know what you're all thinking. And I, I did think it. Holy shit, this guy looks like Robert Goulet. Like, I could not get the idea that this was Robert oh, Goulet yeah. out of my head the totally whole episode. Totally all thinking that. <laughs> we were. I know that you're all Robert Goulet heads out there. But, like, you know, I, I specifically in Beetlejuice. It's Robert Goulet's Beetlejuice character. Well, I don't go to Beetlejuice for Robert Goulet. I go to Beetlejuice for Catherine O'Hara. We all go to the ends of the earth for Catherine O'Hara. And if you heard a hint of sarcasm in my voice for that, fuck you, because Catherine O'Hara is a Canadian treasure, and we love her. <laughs> the villain of this mystery. The mummy. A mummy that's stealing precious gems. And uh, I would say it's nice of the mummy to show up for a cameo appearance in this episode. Because <laughs> I feel like this mummy was in two blink-and-you-miss-it scenes of the entire thing. He was meandering! That's true! That's true! <laughs> meandering off-camera! And I kind of like that. It put more of the focus on solving this actual mystery... And if, honestly, if you are using a monster disguise to commit a crime like this, the cardinal sin that a lot of Scooby-Doo villains do is spending unnecessary time in the costume doing unnecessary things as that monster. If you, like, just dress up as the monster to do your crime and get away with it, you don't have to suit up again <laughs> to scare people away. Just fucking take your coin and go! Now, did this mummy get greedy? Yeah. <laughs> Went back for an emerald when you already had a ruby. Uh, this, this isn't Sonic the Hedgehog. You don't need to collect all of these chaos gems. Take your ruby and go! All right, Christ. <laughs> Given the opportunity to also have an emerald with the ruby. It, well, hey, I would have gotten out of this house scot-free. This guy got caught. And who was he under the wrappings, Amelia? Oh, it was Brackish. It was Brackish. Surprise, surprise, the guy with the evil <laughs> eyebrows is the villain. And surprise, surprise, the guy with the Egyptology degree. Yeah. Dresses as a mummy and leaves hieroglyphic clues. His master criminal plan is to steal jewels. The feasibility. The easily achievable. Yeah. They went over everything and, like... The hardest thing to pull off here was, like, kind of a secret entrance, and even that, like... Oh my god, he got the Aztec tomb yeah. magic box, like, with a secret panel at the back. And even that, it was, so, it was so grounded and realistic that, like, the big clue was just like, oh, well, there was a bit of the broken door there, but why would it be inside if it wasn't open when the door got broken? And I'm like, that's a clue that just... 
you could figure that out if you if if you were there if you were a police officer if, if you were a, a private detective a collection of teen girls yeah you if you were a murder mystery author sticking her nose in where it don't belong you could figure this out terror scale it's not a scary mummy no no mummy really is if it's just a dude wrapped up in bandages. I, I really feel like the purpose of this mummy was to disguise his face. And uh, it w- wasn't scary. Just more mysterious. <laughs> like, I don't... That's, it, it, it was a normal. So let, let's go low here. I'll say a three. Uh, two. Very similar ground. Uh, do you have any other thoughts and feelings on this episode? Nope. Yeah, I, That's what happens when things are only 11 minutes. You can just watch it and be done with it. It's cut and dry. It's clear. And we are familiar with Captain Caveman at this point, so... We didn't even spend a lot of time on, on the little things about this series. Like, you know, last time we talked about the theme song. I could mention the transitions. We get a lot of, like... Yeah, it's like a swirl, and then a house silhouette flies yeah. at you, and you fly in through the window. Like you're having that dream where the person you love is summoning you. <laughs> and that person is Captain Caveman in a blonde wig. <laughs> Flying through the air and falling in the bath. But if that's all, I, I guess I'll just say thank you for tuning into this special Patreon episode. Uh, we love all our patrons. We are happy to be here for you. Pressure Billy to actually, you know, like do Patreon stuff. Please do! Because I'm not going to do it. And he said he'd do it. So ah, make him do it, reach listeners. Out. Right now, I feel like you're all just content to give us money. And why? Demand things from me. I need your guilt. Yeah. If you were to, like, write to him right now and be like, Billy, do a small dance to please me. You would get it he'd do so it. quickly. He'd do that dance. You would get that dance. And can I tell you something? You wouldn't ask a second time. You'd be satisfied. So, is this episode the mystery of the meandering mummy in the Captain Caveman universe? Is it a Scooby Doo or a Scooby Don't? I am inclined to go towards Do, just because I like it's just so nice to get just a cut and dry. Keep using this that is a mystery. <laughs> and I mean, Robert Goulet was here. We got the Egyptian imagery. I I say a nice light Do. Yeah, I'll give it a light Scooby-Doo. Again, 11 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, will you watch the episode that's, like, first in this episode? I don't know. We didn't watch it. Yeah, something to do with trains. Yeah. Hey, maybe in the future we'll cover it and you can stitch these two together. But until then, that's it from Scooby-Dooby Us. To Scooby-Dooby-You. And then we can play some Robert Goulet music for them. Play us out, Robert.